Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Drum for the Song Podcast. Welcome to the Drum for the Song Podcast, hosted by me, Dane Campbell. For this podcast, my goal is to interview a range of some of the greatest drummers in the world. I'm a drummer from Wales in the UK. I play in Straight Lines and Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons is a band which includes my brothers and my dad, Phil, who was a guitarist in Motorhead for 33 years until the very end. For my first guest, I've been lucky enough to interview Nigel Glockler. Nigel has been the drummer of heavy metal legend Saxon since 1981, apart from a brief absence when he had to stop playing drums due to a shoulder injury in 1998. In the interview, we talk about a few near-death experiences, how Nigel joined Saxon, touring pranks, musical influences, and of course drums. I hope you enjoy. Let's get to the interview. Drum for the Song podcast. Hi, so I'm here with Nigel Glockler now. <laughs> He's in his room in his house. I'm in my room in my house. We're recording this during the coronavirus epidemic at the moment. I'm not sure when you're listening, but this is when we recorded this. Thank you, Nigel, firstly, for taking the time out of your afternoon. You're very welcome. As I said, not as if we've got a lot, you know, much else to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, thanks for agreeing to do it as well. Um, this is quite new new for me and it's kind of an honour really to have you on. You're oh, actually awesome. my first interview of this series, <laughs> so I really appreciate that. Yeah, so I guess we'll start off. What do you think about this coronavirus situation with regards to the industry? Did you have much booked? Yeah, I mean, we had... Um... You know, it was that we had sort of three big shows. We had um, Glasgow Barrowlands, Hammersmith Odin, or whatever they call it now, Hammersmith yeah. Apollo. Yeah, whatever. one of those, yeah. Um, Manchester thing, and they were all sold out. Yeah. And you know, and then loads of festivals. You do a lot of festivals generally, don't you? Yeah. we do. Yeah, we had quite a few booked up all over the place, so obviously they were all gone. So, you know, I think the, the, um, the UK gigs, they were initially thinking maybe september but i don't i can't see this lifting before then no. i can't walk by then i can't see it i really can't you know yeah i, I know what you mean we've like we've got a few in the uk that either have postponed till september but whether that's going to happen or not um yeah. i think some of them are hopeful that they might happen but i'm kind of i don't want to be too negative about it but no no, no. i also don't want to get my hopes up too much so just trying to be realistic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything can happen in a couple of months, really. So we'll just have to see. But, yeah. but then again, then you start then you start thinking, well, is is the venue going to be available? Yeah, you know? exactly. Because, I mean, no, initially, we, we were doing these shows last year, but then Biff had his art thing. Yeah. So they moved to now. And we did, we did these three European ones that we were due. And then... So we thought, right, okay, there was going to be a little gap, and then these British ones, gone, bang, you know, but at least we got three of them done anyway. So were they the first three shows since Biff's illness? Um, Yeah, because we did, um, 
we did where the hell do we play? We did a gig in Belgium and one in Holland, and then we did a, a big a big fortieth anniversary with the whole stage set and everything in Dusseldorf. Oh wow. Which was great. But then of course all road crew, you know, all this gear came out with massive great stage set, video screens, everything. And then the sort of trucks are waiting to come over here. And then, of course, our crew have got to go back and unpack it all again. Oh. Because of this. Yeah. Oh, so he was really close then to the, to the kind of the yeah, long was. time. Yeah. yeah, it was. You know, it's so. such a shame. Yeah. I guess, so. I guess you, you've, you can be fairly confident once it is all over, though, you know, the, the punters are still going to want to see the show when, if you reschedule. So. Yeah, I'm sure they will. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a shame because I guess you would have been you would have been ready to go after the, the, the European shows. When we can do it, you know, when the venues are available. Yeah. Because obviously they've got to be those three shows have got to be pretty close together. Yeah. You can't have one one month and then another one two months away. It's just again, it's down to mm. venue availability. So we're just you know fingers crossed. Yeah, and you you need to make it work logistically for yourselves, you know, as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I know. Yeah. Apart from obviously the. The festival season. I'm wondering whether it's going to affect just touring in general, ongoing. Like, uh, uh, do you think venues are going to be stricter with capacities or anything like that, or do you think it's going to go back to how it was? That is so hard to say. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, apparently, a lot of venues are struggling. We might lose a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the smaller venues they're talking about. Yeah, the longer it goes on, the more chance of that happening. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> There's that. I mean, the only other way you can do it is, you know, everyone gets sort of like temperature screening or something coming yeah. into the gig. I don't know. I, I yeah. honestly don't know. No, no, no one. Yeah. I guess no one knows. It's just, it's just a case of suck it and see. We'll just have to see what happens, you know. Yeah. You know, hopefully it'll get back to normal. I mean, from from a point of view, people people always want to go to gigs and, and music and stuff. So exactly, it's it's one thing that music has many forms. You can't really get a live music situation. Like, I know people are doing concerts online and broadcasting, yeah. but it's, it's not the same as being there with the an same. audience. It's, you can't. I'd feel, no. I'd feel a bit weird going in a studio and, like, sort of uh, with a camera in front trying to do a full gig because you wouldn't get the vibe back off the audience. Yeah, you wouldn't get the vibe. And I think that's. That's the important thing as a performer and and for an audience member sitting down looking at your laptop in your living room, even if they, know. you know even if the band are playing live, half of the experience is being there with an audience and yeah and the the ambience of the room and yeah no, that's, right. that's that's the main thing. So uh, I I don't know and I, I've had quantity, you know yeah. I, I I don't know if one day they can fake that in like a virtual reality situation. I always think maybe that might happen one day, but it won't. You won't be able to. I'm sure I read somewhere for some football stadium they were talking about having cardboard cutout people in the bloody what? stadium. Yeah. That's amazing. I haven't heard that. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I think I read something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the foot. I I haven't really checked into it, but I think some of the football might be starting soon. Without, without, crowds. without, yeah, exactly, and that's going to be weird too. That's going to be really weird. Um, I guess if you're watching it on TV, you can still have commentary, but then, yeah, you're so used to hearing the crowd, and, yeah, and the chanting and the singing, yeah. and I think it'll be weird for the players as well. The players acting up sometimes, you yeah. know, because the crowd are there. Yeah, what definitely. Are they gonna, you know, there's they no will. one to see what they're doing. No, 
It's good. Well, it's it's good that Anissa's going to start back up, and they think it's safe to do, which is good, because yeah. it gives all the people in lockdown something to watch as well. And it's That's a form true. of ent- ent- entertainment, and yeah. and I guess for some people, football is their lives. And you know, as a football fan, I, I know a few guys who you know they travel to home and away games for their clubs they they watch, and it is you know their their life revolves around yeah. their football yeah. team. So it is like I've never been in into it anywhere near as much as that i enjoy watching it i enjoy playing yeah. it i'm not very good but i really enjoy <laughs> i really enjoy it but i've never it's never been a massive part of my life no me neither i mean i like watching internationals and stuff yeah you know but um no it's not a it's not a, a big thing for me i might watch match of the day if, if there's nothing else on yeah or something. yeah but you know what the hell but yeah. um yeah, you know, no, it's never been a big thing. But I mean, the thing is, I mean, for instance, here we got Brighton and Hove Albion, and like three of their players have got it. Really? Apparently. Oh wow! Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. Hmm. Yeah, I guess because if it come, if it gets into the club, they're not going to want to play games, are they? Because it might not be safe to risk it. Because I guess you can, because you can yeah. have it, can't you, without showing symptoms and things like that? So, yeah. um, hmm. I, don't I guess. Well. Uh, Again, the, you can see. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I watch Formula One, and I enjoy sort of all the, uh, you know, the world rugby and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. none of that's happening either. So. No, no, that's true. And yeah, there was the Olympics meant to be happening this year as well, which is that's right. Yeah, which is a big deal. <laughs> Just a uh, bit. Well, and the Euros actually. Hang on, I was meant to be going to the Euros, so. <laughs> I, I I said earlier I don't really it's not a big part of my life but I, yeah I was I I did have tickets to go and watch Wales. Um, I did have tickets to watch Wales in Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijan. in and, and in Rome. But wow. we bought the tickets kind of just thinking, oh, hang on, we've got to be really quick because they sell out immediately. Um, yeah. But then we were struggling to find a way to get to Azerbaijan. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, how did you get there? There, like there are very few direct flights from London, but they were very expensive. And yeah. obviously there is a few other ways. Um, we're doing two or three flights. Um, we, we, we were searching for weeks, really, to find a, a reasonable priced method of getting there because, you know, we don't yeah. want to spend too much. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, we've got to buy hotels and stuff when we're there as well. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, it got to the point where I was like, I don't think I'm going to go. <laughs> but now, now it's not happening. It doesn't really matter. So, but, uh, <laughs> but I was up for Rome. Um, we were meant to be. Fl- we, you've, you've probably have you done Grass Pop Festival before? Yeah, we, yeah. We, we were meant to be playing that, and then we were meant to be a few of us in the band were meant to be flying. I think we were playing that too. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, well, that's a shame. That would have been amazing. Um, but we were meant to be, yeah, fly, like playing the show and then flying from Belgium to Rome the next day, having a day in Rome, then the match, and then flying back to Wales. But that's all messed up now. But um, yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, football. Yeah, I, I like football, but it's not the biggest thing in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously we're talking about the coronavirus, health. Um, you look healthy now, and which is really good. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, you look you look really perky and really good. So, obviously, I've I know from a personal perspective, and I've read you've had a few issues during your career. Um, yeah, I know it was a few years ago. You had a 
you suffered a brain aneurysm. Unfortunately, That's right. yeah. it yeah. sounded really nasty. Nasty. Um, so, do you mind talking a little bit about that? And no, not at all. If you don't not mind, that'd be great. No, to hear. I mean that was, that was the end of um, 2014, and we we just played in. Um, we were on tour, and we just played in Glasgow. Okay. And then we were coming down to. We went to a hotel in Gateshead because we had a day off. And then the next show was in Newcastle, and it and it happened on the day off in Gateshead. Wow! And I literally, I was just sitting like we are now, but I was just reading the newspaper on the laptop in the in the hotel room, and suddenly my, my, I sort of moved, sort of like that, and suddenly my neck just jammed, and I got the worst headache, like migraine, you can imagine. It just suddenly went. My vision was like this. Oh wow! In front and right, you know, it was like. So, you know, it was like a really excessive, sometimes, you know, if you've had a hot bath and right, I mean, I tend to like stay in a bath for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of it really quick and feel a bit lightheaded. Like a head rush, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Times a hundred. So I got up and I let myself fall onto the bed and thought, oh, this will, you know, whoa, what's going on here? And the, the vision came back after about 20 minutes. Anyway, the end result was I got yeah. rushed. Got rushed into hospital in Gateshead. They did a scan, and I got rushed over the bridge into uh, Newcastle, REI, and I had two brain operations. Wow. And then, um, um, yeah, I was in hospital for a month. For a whole month, wow. Yeah, because it had burst, basically. The, the aneurysm had burst, so I was bleeding in the brain. And uh, the, um, the next time we played at Newcastle, I invited the surgeon up. Oh, yeah, amazing. Wow. Mr. Patrick Mitchell. So we had a few beers after the gig. Oh, nice. Yeah, I bet, I bet that was a nice feeling and to know yeah, it was well, over. And this, this, I guess that man saved your life to some degree. That's exactly what I told him. I said, you saved my life. He actually turned around to me. And, well, we had, um, I also invited, there was a, a, a male nurse who was a big Saxon fan, actually. So <laughs> was looking after it. About every two or three hours, he was coming in and doing brain scans on my brain to make sure everything was... And then wow. giving me injections and all sorts and checking blood pressure. So yeah. I got him in gig as well. And uh, then we had a good talk. But, certain, but uh, Mr. Mitchell said, you're a freak. Because he said, he said for, for a start, I wasn't sure whether you would survive. Well, he actually said that. Yeah, oh yeah. And he said, if you did, I thought it was going to be at least 18 months to two years before you could even play the drums again. And I was back on tour within three months, I think. Wow, three months. And he, and he just said, three or four, four months max, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was. Doing what? So, yeah, he said, you're a freak. But and actually, talking about this, um, we've done a, do you know the, the actress Amelia Clark? Yes. From, from Game of Thrones. Very she well. She's had about three or four in the past, aneurysms. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't and she started the charity. So what what um, Gina, her wife, and me have done, we've um, had some sort of T-shirts printed with with my face on it from about eighty three. I think it is eighty four, <laughs> right on the front. It was like from the Crusader tour or something. And um, and and Gina, you know, has got this candle company. And she's yeah. done some can doing some candles, the same thing, and all the proceeds. From the sale of the candles, we've only done like a hundred t-shirts. Um, all the all the proceeds are going to Amelia Clark's charity for the brain aneurysm. Oh, that's amazing. 
So if anyone sort of wants to, they can go to evokecandleco.co.uk or whatever and go on there and get them bought. Perfect, yeah. Because it's all going to a good cause. Yes. So if you're listening, please help support by... We put we put the link in the description underneath, so make sure we get the right link. This is for like brain aneurysm. Yeah. Stuff. But yeah, Amelia Clark started this thing, so we thought, well, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I I didn't even know that about it. That's yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. But you, obviously, you, your recovery was obviously freakish by the sound of it. It was freakish. It was what, bizarre. So, I mean, I was I was literally was I was in bed for a month. Yeah. Right. I mean, over Christmas, thank you very much. Oh, was it? And, uh, it's amazing, actually, the muscle wastage, if you if you like that, because, I mean, I went totally gaga for a while, um, but the muscle wastage is like, when I got home, I couldn't even get myself out of the bath. Wow. You know. Just, just felt weak. I've been lying in the bed all the yeah, time. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. You know? So, but anyway, here we are. <laughs> so... so- I'm. I'm. One, so, at what point did you think? Oh, I'm gonna. I feel like I could try and play drums. What, like what? Like how long did it take until you thought? Oh, I'll have a go. Yeah. Well, what happened was that. I mean, this was December. December, and they'd actually booked, rebooked because they were. I mean, it was near the end of the tour. I think there were five gigs left, so they actually moved those last five, and and they rebooked them for February. Which I thought, well, that's being a bit. Yeah optimistic isn't it i don't think i'm going to be by then but luckily sven you know um udo's udo dirk schneider's son he was teching for me oh nice nice. so so he did those shows right the last five right i didn't know but i i went up to london and i saw and he was using my kit anyway so i went up to london i said well i want to get up and, and play something in sound check just to see if i can yeah 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 so I got up and we did 747 and, and uh, I got up and did it at the gig. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Huh. Great. But I tell you, I couldn't have done any more. That was enough. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's like you said, if you'd lost strength, yeah, you, to have the strength and stamina to play a whole show is not the same as just getting up and no, having a knock. That was, that was it, that one song, but it was good, you know. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Is that is there a record of that or is anyone, did anyone film that or? I'd like to oh, see no. that. If no, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. That'd be that'd be cool to see. Yeah. But yeah, well, obviously you you made a miraculous recovery, which is amazing to hear. Um, and obviously, fingers crossed. You you know, nothing bad like that will happen again. This, it sounds horrible. Like I can't even imagine how yeah. scary scary it would have been for your family as well and the band. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, Gina. You know. Yeah. Actually, she was the one that actually cottoned on to what was happening. So in a way, she she was instrumental in my life saving because I didn't know you I didn't was know just what it like was. I couldn't move. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I guess you need to react quick to get you to the hospital, and, and I couldn't move. And, and you know, and she got hold of our tour manager, and he organised a bloody emergency ambulance to come to the hotels. Thank God for that. Yeah. Otherwise, might have been lying there for three hours too late. Blake. Could have been exactly. It could have been too late. Yeah. Wow. So that was, that was a lucky one. But you know, yeah. on the road, we get you know, there's things. I mean, I've had pneumonia twice on the road. I've had my left leg cast. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. All sorts of stuff. But hey, it's just you know. It's part, well, 
<laughs> yeah, I guess it's like stuff like illnesses. Obviously, you know, any if someone's ill on tour, if someone's got a virus or flu or something, it's so easy to spread on a oh, tour bus. It's horrible. If someone's got it, if someone's got something on a tour bus, everyone's going to get it. It's yeah. without, it's without fail. It's a it's a nightmare, isn't it? And, yeah. and it, no matter what job you do, just even if it's just like a bad cold or something, it's just it just makes the whole experience so unpleasant. Yeah. Um, for for you know, like you're normally busy at least during the show. You ha- you need all your hands and your limbs, and yeah, you you don't want to be sneezing over people and tissues. No, and, no, no. and that, that's no, just no. my you know mild you know a mild cold or something. So. Yeah, even that, even that, but it can, you know, I mean, a mild cold can really bring you down strength-wise. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and you know, especially voc- vocalists, if people who sing, it yeah. can affect them massively. And oh yeah, I mean, the other thing, the other thing I had because I used to do backing vocals, you know, with a with a head oh, the, mic. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Most so for a drummer, they're they're a bit of a nightmare because they they're picking up. The acoustic of the drums as well and it's like so as soon as that mic turns on the drums go whoa something you know yeah so in the I, end got, but i always used to have a problem with that particularly with smoke machines i hate smoke machines <laughs> you'd, start, you'd start i'd be playing singing these like backing vocals and the smoke seemed to be piling this stuff at me and i'd lose my voice after the first gig and it would just or maybe the second gig and it would just it'd be gone for like five days i couldn't sing again Nah, well that's no good yeah, but, uh, I, I, I agree. I think sometimes if you, in, especially if you inhale a bit of the smoke. Um, oh, yeah, because you are. You're drumming yeah. up. Yeah, you know, you're and breathing. Straight yeah. Act. yeah. So, yeah, it's not, it's not good. Say, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, couldn't say anything. Yeah. But, but I'm lucky I don't do vocals in any, any of the bands at the moment. I have, I've tried in the past, but. I've never tried a headset mic, but like you said, yeah. you probably pick up and you, you move, your move, your face is moving. Uh, I've tried with the kind of the the mic stand angled down, but he still used to get in my way, and I used to smash my teeth on it on the yeah. she- mic shields. I yeah. well, I don't have me. It was it was a case where we're going to put a boom mic. Sometimes it came over the top. Oh yeah, and then the tech would swing it out the way. But it'd have to be so because I've got drums all around me. You have a lot of drums, yeah. <laughs> I can't have a mic there because it gets in the way. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> it's just it's just a pain, isn't it? It's a, it is a pain, and I sacked it off a long time ago, and sounds like you did as well. So <laughs> probably for the best. Um, yeah. The other thing I noticed, I did a little bit of research. I said you had a you had a period where you had to temporarily retire because you had neck injuries. Is, is, no, what, is what that I true? Had, no, it wasn't a neck. It, what I did, oh. I ripped them between my neck and my shoulder. Ooh, that sounds terrible. And um, yeah, but it was only a little nick because I think it just comes from, you know, obviously when you've got your own kit and my stuff's on a rack, Yeah. you know, that kit can be set up within a millimetre, the same every night. Yeah. And it was just a case we went to, I think it probably happened, we went to, south america and a rental kit yeah just that little extra stretch something went bing and it was nothing it was nothing i didn't feel anything and then we went to sweden after we got back from there and suddenly i was like god this is uncomfortable i mean i was okay when i was playing 
Yeah. So I'm trying to lie down and sleep, it started really hurting. I thought, what the hell's going on here? And I was going to osteopath thinking I've done something to a vertebrae or something. And um, eventually went to my doctor and he, he grabbed these bits here. All right, yeah. And after he pulled me out the ceiling, he said, yeah, you've ripped a muscle. So That's what it was. I had, I had to stop playing for, for a few months. And then during that period, I got into doing other stuff anyway. Ah, cool. You know, so uh, I had to have about four months off without playing. In, and in that period, I got into doing, you know, what they call library music. So they use background music for documentaries and stuff like that. So I started writing all that stuff. Oh, wow. Still... Oh, you still do that? Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. And, and um, I got it, but I was still writing with Saxon. Okay. So, yeah. I, I, I wasn't writing. sure. It was just something I found on, online. So I thought. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a ripped muscle. Wow. Um, but um, no, I'm still writing with them. And like, for instance, on when they did um, Killing Ground, I went up there and in the rehearsal rooms with them up near uh, Boston, Lincolnshire. And okay. Co-wrote, co-wrote four or five songs with them there and everything. And oh, great. So I was still there, you know, involved. Oh, cool. I just wasn't sure. Ah, right. Okay. No, the internet isn't always that accurate there. <laughs> No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, sorry. Apologies for that. Um, is it like I've had a few injuries myself? Um, have you had any other like injuries directly related to drumming apart from the one you just mentioned? Any other limbs or <laughs> limbs? Limb, I don't know. I, I've had my knees, the shoulder, I've had, I've had a few issues. And no, I mean, I, I, had, a, you know, I had a sort of I mean, as I say, I've got the, the first bout in pneumonia. I got, we were, we, this was in 82, I think it was, and we were playing with Cheap Trick. Oh, wow. In America. Cool. And that was like going from all these extremes of temperatures, because at one minute you're in Florida for a while and it's really sweaty and literally you come off stage and you, you just, you're in a puddle. Yeah. You're sitting in the dressing room and it's a puddle under, literally it's dripping off you because it's so humid. Now. Yeah. And then, you know, but we started off sort of up north where there was snow huh. on that tour, you know, and it was just eventually, and, and I think it was all the, um, it was all the AC. I just wasn't used to the AC. So you'd come out from this stinking hot gig, get onto a bus that was like, like being in a fridge. Yeah. I'm not good with that either myself. I know what you mean. So I had that, that was one year. So I got, um, for a while, I was, actually the first couple of gigs, I was like wheelchaired to a gig. Didn't miss a gig. That's good. That's important. That's amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was great, actually. But Bunny Carlos was going to, you know, Cheap Trick's drummer was going to do, do the first show. What? They were in the dressing room. They were in the dressing room trying to teach him the songs when I rolled in in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> and I went on stage, had an oxygen mask on me and everything. Wow. It was great. But um, that was all right. But the, the only other time, and then the following year, we played with Maiden. Oh, cool. In America, we were special guests. There was uh, wow. Fast Way Us and Maiden. Oh, wow. And um, what, what happened there was there was a huge crowd off the, I think, it, where was it? Long Beach Arena, I think it was. Um, there was a huge, great coil of mains cable underneath a rug at the bottom of the steps when you come off stage. And of yeah. course, you know, it was a great show. And I jumped onto this and my ankle went, Wah. Uh. So, so I ended up with my left leg in a cast. <sighs> left, you know, the lower part of my leg in a cast for about uh, two weeks, I think it was. Like that, so 
That's the only other. That's okay. Yeah. You've done pretty, for such a long career, that's pretty, pretty good. You've had some obviously terrible ones, but I mean, in terms of numbers, that's not so bad. No, there's not a lot. I mean, it was, we had, I mean, the first band, the first pro band I was in, which was based down here in Brighton, was a band called Krakatoa. And we right. used to play, that's where I first met Phil. Oh, okay. And uh, we used to play quite a lot in Wales and stuff. But, the, the, you know, that was my first pro band. And I just remember we were playing like universities and stuff like this, you know, and we were traveling up and down the country. And I just remember we were on our way. I'd only done three gigs with them. Oh, really? Yeah, three gigs with them. We were on our way up to Carlisle, I think it was. And we had a horrific road crash. We, got, we, were in a, we were in a van with all our gear and an articulated lorry rammed us up the backside. Oh, and tipped us basically, if you imagine, you're going along like this and tipped us upside down. We ended up on our roof, still facing the same way. Wow. So we completely spiralled. All the gear was everything. I mean, the police actually said how anyone got out of there alive was a miracle. This was a night. We had no thing. Just then bang. And then all I can remember was this me trying doing this in this sort of black morass or whatever it is and this sound of metal just crashing and everything behind me oh and i God. came to and i was about probably about 50 60 70 yards down the road and i'd gone out either through the door or the windscreen what? Sitting in the front <sighs> and i turned around and the van was there and it was just like god you know and that <laughs> so we were being taken to a Hospital in Carlisle, I think it was. I thought, if that's being, if that's what you get being in a professional band, sod it, I retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I give up, you know. Oh. I'm going to stay at home. But uh, no, it was all right. You know, we got. You're lucky. You're very lucky there. Yeah, he, Pete, who was driving one of our techs, he, uh, he, he suffered the worst because he got, you know, the, the, um, the top of the cab was aluminium and that, uh, it turned upside down, you know, it, whiplashed his back oh right yeah and then the battery acid got because the thing was upside down so all the acid from the battery got into his wounds in his back Oof. but he was the worst he was the worst off i mean roger the guitarist i think he broke his collarbone Ilana, the singer i think broke her arm but i mean apart from that we were oh. very lucky so you just had a few cuts and bruises yeah um, well it was, yeah i mean they kept us in hospital overnight yeah. But yeah, it was generally that, and we were back on tour within six weeks. I think it was. Wow! But it's Bill, our our sound guy. He he went back the next morning to where it happened. He said all my drum stand, all my um, cymbal arms, all the old boom stands. He said they were all embedded in the embankment. He said it looked like the mass of Troy. Spears <laughs> everywhere. I bet, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. only had a drum kit for three three or four gigs, big tarma kit, and the whole lot just. I was watching go down underneath the wheels of other trucks and sparking. I was like, great. You know? So complete, completely destroyed then. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. salvageable. Oh, my God. Nightmare. But at least you, at least you got out okay. And, you know, yeah, exactly. We all got out. You know, we all. That's scary because, you know, that can happen to anyone at any time. And yeah. It is it's a scary thing. I touch wood. I, I have never really been involved in a car accident or vehicle accident so yeah i uh, it, it is scary when i think about something like that actually happening um but it's apart from drive safely you can do your side but it's other drivers isn't it that you you yeah that's, the, that's always the yeah. risk is other other drivers um yeah. 
Yeah. So that's life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do that, you know, when it, apart from doing this lockdown, I'm not driving so much, but, I, you know, I'm confident in my own abilities, but that's what I'm always afraid of is other people. Um, you, you mentioned briefly earlier uh, that Saxon vocalist Biff, he was diagnosed, he had a heart condition. Yeah. I think it was it last year. Um, yeah. but he's, he's got through that okay. He's had surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, at the, when, when, I guess, did he tell you first how, how scary was that at the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, it was scary, something like that, because, you know, you don't know. Obviously, we were keeping in, you know, keeping in touch either with him or we were texting or whatever, with, you know, finding out exactly what was going on. Yeah. You know, so, um, it was a good job when he came out the other side. Yeah. Seemed like a fairly quick turnaround as well. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Actually. Not so much, not so much gigging, gigging wise, no. because obviously things have to, you know, again, you know, they had to, when you, something's happened to your breastbone, you know, you've got to get that strength back in your diaphragm and everything. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, he's been, he's been sort of gradually building up. So he's singing again now and everything. So yeah. good. Good. Uh, excellent. Uh, I'm glad he's okay anyway. Um, yeah. Right. This, we've been talking about negative things for a while now. So let's talk about something positive. Um, uh, you've already talked about some of your history. What would you say was, were the highest points of your career? And what are your best memories? Oh, God. I know, I know, I know there's a lot of things you could talk about. <laughs> but <laughs> and For instance, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's great, you know, playing playing Vacan, 75,000 people. Oh, yeah, can I might, yeah, that must be amazing. That's a big buzz, you know. Yeah. When you're headlining one of the stages, that's a big buzz. That's a huge buzz, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, what are, I mean, other things have been, I mean, the main thing is, I guess, is, you know, meeting a lot of the fans all over the, all over the world and everything. And, and, and the main thing is sort of going to countries I never really envisaged going to, yeah. you know what I mean? So, for instance, you know, I, I never really thought about going anywhere in South America, but suddenly, you know, we played Brazil and Argentina and Chile and stuff. And nice. it's great. I've seen a lot of the world that I wouldn't have, and Australia we've been to. Oh, that's cool. Japan. Um, you know, I've seen a lot, of, a, a lot of countries that I would never have envisaged going to. Yeah. Basically. And, you know, I've made some good friends in some of these countries too. So that's another nice thing about, going on tour because then you get to see these people again you know yeah catch them. yeah catch and sometimes it's years apart i guess but um yeah i mean it's the same thing almost with um you know if you know people in other bands a lot yeah. of the time you might not see each other for a year or a couple of years because you're touring they're touring or one's recording or whatever and then you might be on the same festival together so yeah. that's great you know that's a that's a good time yeah and and I, like especially if you get to watch them perform, if you can f somehow slot their set into your daily schedule, that's amazing as yeah. well, isn't it? And um, yeah, it or, is. or grab a pint with them. <laughs> it's exactly. a bonus. Um, it's like the thing. I go to the Nam show every year. Oh, you go. Out, oh, cool. Yeah, I go out there to Anaheim every year, and it's great because I see people there. I only, I only see there. Yeah, only there. Only yeah. there. And stuff you know which is which is great so it's like oh, it's, you know we have a good catch-up brilliant yeah yeah well, that's that's really good um yeah that yeah vac and headlining like i can imagine that's 
Absolutely crazy. I love those festivals, a great grass pop, you know, they're all and Sweden rock, they're all, you know, the yeah. vibe you get from, you know, from the crowds is just unbelievable at times, you know. Yeah. Even even behind the drum kit, where you're, I guess, further away, you can still feel it, can't you? Oh, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah. You you mentioned Krakatoa then. So that was, that was your first professional band. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, are there any other musical projects you've been involved in, apart from Saxon? Oh, yeah, quite a few, you know, because I, you know, I was with Toya. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. For a year. I've worked with um, Asia. Yeah, I, I read about Steve that. Steve well. in uh, GTR. Nice. We had GTR for about nine months before that all fell apart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is there a story there or? No, not really. It was just very, I think there were a lot of politics going on. It was a bit out of, you know, out of our sort of control, I think, you know, okay. because only, only Steve, Steve Howell was the one signed to the record company. I mean, Steve Hackett had gone by then. So okay. We had another an American guy who was the second guitarist, stroke songwriter, and everything. Um, but it was, it was, um, you know, I think what, whatever went on, it was that to do with with Steve, you know, Steve and the record company. Okay. It was a shame because that was a, you know, that it was a their first album. I think went gold in the U.S. and I think this one was shaping up to be even better. Wow. And uh, it never got finished. That's such a shame. It is a shame. It is a great shame. You know, I mean, I'm still in touch with uh, Phil, the bass player, who was with me in Toya. Okay, right. Um, Jeff Downs, I became good friends with. Hence, I did some tracks on an Asia album. Right, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Solo stuff with Steve Howe after the GTR thing. Right. Um, apart, you know, I, I did an album with Bernie Torme. Okay. So other stuff, and apart from that, now I'm just doing, you know, this library music stuff as well. Yeah, so that, that's one thing I, I really didn't know about. Um, and Doug, Doug and I, you know, Doug, our guitarist, we, we did an album uh, about 14 or 15 years ago, something like that, and it was just something we wanted to do. It's just all instrumental and nice. the sort of stuff we like. So when we're sort of uh, talking about getting a second one going now. Ah, actually. cool. This might be a time, a good time to do it if you're not touring. Yeah, we're trying to start getting some ideas together. Yeah, know? and we might we might sort of get some guest vocalists to come in on the odd song on this one. But it was basically, I mean, <clears throat> material-wise, it was a complete sort of mishmash of stuff. You know, it all wasn't down one vein. Yeah, I I think I, I think that makes for a more interesting listen when. There's a lot more variety on an album. Yeah, I mean, there was stuff on there that was like quite sort of proggy, and then there was other tracks that were a bit sort of, uh, say, like Joe Satriani or something, and then oh, there yeah. was a couple of tracks which were sort of totally ambient. Ah, you know, nice. Just keyboards, no drums on, just keyboards and guitar. You know, so. Do you play keyboards, right? I read, I read that you play keyboards, and do you play a bit of bass guitar? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um. No. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's still pretty impressive. Still pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no Rick Waitman, but I can get my ideas across. Yeah, know. cool. No, so. that's, yeah, I, I, there's one thing I can't really play is keyboards or piano. I, I can, I can, I can play bass guitar fairly well. Yeah. Um, lead guitar, I never really. I always had other people in the family who were good at lead guitar, so I kind of never really concentrated on it. Um, because I was, always, I could be always used to like jam together, my brothers yeah. and my dad, and 
I, I guess it was clear from an early age that I was a bit more natural on the drums. So I guess that's how it, that's how it happened. But um, late, late, a little bit later on in life, when I was a teenager, I did pick up a bass, um, and I got into a kind of a lot of the like jazz fusion stuff. And I learned. Oh, right. I, I, I'm not so good on it on it anymore because I kind of, sort of neglected. So. Yeah, yeah, kind of some of the Jackal Pastorius, and I learned some oh, of that right. stuff. I had a great teacher um, from Cardiff called John Caulfield. Right. Um, so I, I kind of, I really concentrated on that for a few years. Um, yeah. And then I just never played in a band. And I started touring on drums and playing drums in bands and playing, yeah, playing drums in bands. And I kind of just just didn't pick it up for years then. And yeah, I haven't lost it completely by uh, like my speed and my finger strength would definitely be pretty, pretty dark. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm nowhere near like I would have been back then. But right. yeah, I know my way around, and yeah, I've got yeah. a little bit of technique. But uh, no, I mean I, I'm sort of you know keyboard wise. Someone says says to me playing A minor, no idea. Oh right, okay, yeah. I I wouldn't have a clue on a, on a keyboard. Really like sound. If something all that. I like the sound of that chord. That's nice. nice. Okay. What's that? Or I like that chord. Or I wonder if this bass note will go underneath this. So I just experiment all the yeah. time. Yeah. Oh well, that's that's good. I think um, a lot of keys players i guess is a ca- like casual keys players i don't know if that's the right phrase but yeah where you can experiment i know another guy he, he does film music and mm. and you know similar to maybe what what you do as well um yeah. and he, you watch a video of him playing piano and like bloody hell you're amazing on piano but he you know he can't read music he doesn't necessarily know what he's playing yeah you know it, from a kind of theory perspective but he's just kind of worked it out using his ears and his brain yeah, I guess I mean, this, this, I mean i can't i'm not a pianist i'm more sort of synthesizer really you know okay so yeah that's cool i'm a big sort of vangelis fan all that sort of you know i love all that ambient sort nice. of space, space music i suppose you'd call it space but uh, <laughs> yeah it is you know but um I can't sort of play piano and like go rootling off like this now i'm sort of oh yeah what's the what does that go i wonder if that you know yeah. And when I'm when I'm writing, I use a lot of like um, from a percussion or drum point of view. I use a lot of loops and stuff. Okay. And play around with those, you know. Nice. I invert them and change the change the mapping so something else is playing something that it wasn't before. Nice. It's like I just get off on sounds. Yeah, you know? that's that's a, that's really good to hear. Um, but I'm nowhere near. I couldn't go on stage and play people. I didn't have a clue. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Where's the note they're playing? Oh, yeah. That's there. <laughs> Forget it. It's, yeah. This is pretty scary. And it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely not. Yeah. It's, the idea of that would be scary. I mean, I mean, there's a YouTube thing of Rick Wakeman from about, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years ago, maybe a bit more with Yes. And he does this solo, and it's just my God! It is so fast; it's just ridiculous. I I don't know how you get to that level. It's crazy. Takes his hand like this before he starts, you know, (laughs) and he just suddenly goes into it, and it's it's just it's a blur. Wow! He's a keyboard. He is a keyboard, but he's classically trained, and boom, you know, yeah, brilliant. I mean, both him and Tony Banks, you know, Genesis, brilliant, both of them. Amazing. Yeah, this it's kind of I did uh, when I was younger I did have a few yes albums and I, I went through a little prog kind of phase I guess. But um 
there's a lot of stuff I've still I've still never really been exposed to, I suppose. So I do need to yeah. kind of yeah. go back and because I did enjoy it. I was I was really into the kind of prog stuff. Um, yeah. Um, I still like experimenting with different time signatures and things like that. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. even if the music isn't technically prog, if we stick a little bar in us a seven or a three or something. Anyway, I like, I kind of enjoy that. And I've always done that. Um, yeah. But like prog rock or prog metal, I don't know how many jo- versions of the genre there oh. are. It's, it's, it's endless, but um, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, the other, like you, like you mentioned, I, then I've got, you know, I've got really into, you know, the fusion stuff, the Billy Cobham and stuff. Nice. Yeah. As soon as the Billy Cobham album came out, I had it, you know. I, yeah, I bet. Yeah. And uh, and it's funny because I've sort of gone back and I'm starting to listen to stuff like that Mad Vishnu Orchestra and stuff. So I'm listening to all that stuff again now. I think I did a because I, I went to, I, I went to university. I did a popular music degree, and um, I'm pretty sure I did some form of massive essay about jazz rock fusion or something like that. I can't yeah. really remember the details, but yeah, I got into a few of those bands back then. And yeah, look, Weather Report I always liked. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. But that's different again. Yeah. Less rocky. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I, was, I had a few weather report, a few of the early weather report albums. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was great. And I mean, that's the way I've sort of, I suppose, my drumming's been more influenced by those sort of people than it is by a lot of heavy rock drummers. I think. Yeah. I think you can, like, you can tell that. You know, for instance, I was more Bill Ward. Yes. Than John Bonham. Yeah, I can I can tell that from listening, yeah. I love it, you know. He's, he's, I'd, I'd love to be able to get to interview him one day. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> he might be a hard guy to get. But, um, I actually met him at NAMM. Really? Ago, yeah. It was great. We had a right laugh. Oh, ah, um, cool. But um, no, it was great because he was, I was the, was the second proper gig I ever went to. Oh, wow. And it was like, God almighty, I'd never seen anyone hit a drum so hard in my life. You know, I thought his rat tom was going to come off. Yeah. <laughs> Banging, you know. What what kind of, what year, do you know roughly what year that would have been? Or? That would have been on the <clears throat> Masters of Reality tour. Oh. So, yes, I don't know, 72, 73. Okay, yes. So they would have been at, at there for a few years up until then. I bet they were amazing, yeah. Uh, the third album, their yeah. third album. And it was great. And then for me, you know, Black Sabbath was Bill Ward and Tony Iommi. Yeah. That was it. You know, it was, so I was a little bit sort of peeved when he, when he didn't do that reformation tour, but you know, we don't know. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So who knows what the reason was. I know they both, they both have different stories. From, and yeah, I know. I, I was gutted as well because I, well, from what, from what it sounded like, Bill was confident he could do it. Um, yeah. Whether they thought he wasn't, I don't know. But um, I would have loved to have seen that. And that was yeah. around the time when I really kind of, like, I was born in 86. So a lot of this music happened before I was born. Um, yeah. So I've kind of had to re, kind of go back and rediscover all these little periods. And I, I had a massive Sabbath period, the, yeah. like the first four Sabbath albums. And then it was Bill Ward's drumming that, that kind of just wowed me really because it was that yeah, me too. it was a it, it was kind of like a jazz influenced yeah. player playing all this rock stuff and it was just this because i hadn't really been exposed to a lot of that 
because I grew up, it was grunge and all this stuff like that. There wasn't many jazz-influenced okay. drummers, really, or obvi- they weren't obviously jazzy drummers. I kind of grew up listening to all that, and it was rock and like, punk rock and stuff like that. And then I kind yeah. of, yeah, it was, the, it was the original Sabbath album, and it blew me away. It still does when I put it on. When I put it on this, t- you know, today, it's just the, the swing and the feel and the groove of it all. Yeah. And the space as well. I I love it. It's, it. It really did. I think that did alter my own drumming a little bit. Um, I don't say I was trying to practice. I didn't try to uh, to copy it, but just the way I thought about it. Yeah, I mean it does. Whether you, you know you you do get influenced by all this stuff subconsciously. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what's great about drumming. I remember going down and listening when that when the first album came out and. Down in Brighton, there was a you know there was a like um it was like a bookstore, but it had down, underneath downstairs it had like the record department. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It had listening booths in there, and they actually had a stereo room. A stereo you could actually room. ask to go in there, and you sat in a couple of armchairs. What? You know, and listen in this big room, you know, and it was like, and then I went down and said, "Oh, you've got this Black Sabbath album." And they said, Jen, they put it on. And my God, I've never heard anything so heavy and doomy in my life as that first track. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I, 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 like, I, I can only imagine what it would have been like at the time to experience yeah. it. Because obviously I'd listened to it after hearing everything that came out 30 years after it as well. So yeah. it wouldn't have had that same effect. But I try and imagine, like, none of this existed until this right. record came That's out. Right. And yeah. I'm I'm kind Whoa. of jealous. I'm je- I'm kind of envious that you would have had that experience, because I, I'll never be able to have that ex- the same experience you did. Because and it was, I'm trying to think. I mean, other other things like that around. You know, it was like I was really sort of into um, you know Iggy Pop, the Stooges. Oh yeah, the band that he had that he was in then. I mean, that second Stooges album. When I again I listened to that in a in a booth with headphones on because yeah. I thought. Someone, in, I think it was in Melody Maker or something, gave him a crappy write-up. And what usually happened, if someone gave a crappy write-up, I'd probably like it. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hear why this is so bad or what's it all, because I'd heard his reputation about, you know. And I think that album came out in 1970, I think it was. And oh, wow. put it on in the booth and got it. So it just rips your head off. The first track is just, whoa. I've not, I've not heard that, actually, so that's... I've never really checked any of that stuff out, so I think I'll have to... Down on the street, I think it's called. Okay. Just, just crank it right up, Nick. Oh. I will, yeah. I'll get, I'll get my hands on that. Yeah, because that sounds like that was an important band as well. Um, but yeah, again, it's just one I haven't really delved into yet. Because I've got all the modern stuff to keep up, up with, and then I've got all this history of music to go back to, which is it's amazing. It's an amazing that it's there and... Yeah, but there's so much of it. Um, so I try, I try my best. I try yeah. my best. Uh, another one was, I mean, the next gig I saw was um, Uriah Heat, Brighton, you know, because I was a big Heat fan as well. I mean, again, I went to a record store and the, their first album had come out and I was like, whoa, what's this? You know, it's great. And they had all these high vocals, you know, high harmonies and everything. It was just nice. really, you know. So was that, was the kind of high vocal harmonies, was that, were they one of the first bands that kind of like rock bands that did that then? I, I, I again, I don't really know because yeah, they were pretty, yeah. I, 
I mean, particularly, I mean, the, the first track on the second album, Bird of Prey, I mean, it's almost operatic in places. You know, right. they've got these good harmonies that are going up, huh. you know. It, it's brilliant. And they were, no, I loved it. Loved it. So that was something else. I mean, there were so many bands around at that time that I was just like, well, I haven't heard this before. I haven't heard this before. And Jethro Tull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bands I was getting into. You know, Genesis, early Genesis. Uh, even, you know, now they're sort of, regarded as an M.O.R. act, but in the day, they were like regarded as prog moody blues. Yeah. You know, their album was stunning. In fact, In Search of the Lost Chord was the first serious album I ever bought. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it was the first stereo album I bought. <laughs> oh, things That's, are doing this, you know. I can, yeah, I bet that was... Because yeah, it's very rare nowadays that I'm listening on headphones, maybe when I'm when I go out running and, and I notice things that maybe I don't listen, I don't notice them on other forms. Because yeah. now, yeah. nowadays I'm just beaming music to my little Bluetooth player that is obviously just one speaker. So I'm not really experiencing yeah. the, the stereo. Yeah. No, mix when you it all. the stereo and it was like going, whoa, whoa, the Mellotron's going, Row. Yeah. That's... That way it was like, whoa. You know, and then there'd be some sitar would be coming in like, where we go now? It was brilliant. That's amazing. And they played everything on those albums themselves, cello, everything. That's so impressive. Yeah. That's why I like when, you know, it's it's advertised as a band and then you see all these additional musicians and maybe come in just for the recording. Yeah, I prefer, you know, it's great, obviously, but if, if, if I know the band has played everything themselves or the artist, that's even more special. Oh, yeah, than... they were. I mean, they were regarded. Everything on that, they played sitar, well, you know, cellos. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check that out because I, I, again, I have never really gone into that area yeah. well, so much. I need to. I, I definitely will after this. Yeah, yeah. The first, the first seven albums, definitely. Yeah. Seven albums. Okay, it'll take a while, but I'll, so, check, yeah. I'll check them out. Yeah. So our children's children's children uh, on the threshold of a dream. Question of balance. Every good boy deserves a favor. If there were there is a line of them, you know. Okay. Okay. I'll, dying for the next one to come out i'll keep that in mind then of course you had the first king crimson album came out and that was another game changer yeah i've heard a lot of people mention that yeah that was a total game changer what was that 70s as well yeah 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 cool yeah first first album i think was um was 70. okay it's so mad thinking about what happened before i was born <laughs> no it was like at school you know a guy because I went to boarding school for, for, for four terms and um, I got a prefect in, in the house I was in because I went to Brighton College. Okay. Um, guy in the prefect there, he had a brilliant stereo system, you know, like everyone was like, whoa, what's this? Yeah, yeah. We all had these little things that just, yeah, whatever. And uh, he had the first um, King Crimson album. It was like, God, oh my, this just sounds brilliant. I mean, it was the album and the sound coming out of this stereo. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, real hi-fi. Wow. Stunning. Yeah, I, I, feel, I, I think I heard that back in the day, but I think I need to go and revisit that one as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, ah, it's, it's, it's cool to hear all these kind of, yeah, game-changing bands and albums that, at the, like, you would have experienced at the time as they came out, which yeah. is quite fascinating for someone kind of my age or younger who maybe know about yeah. these bands, but don't really realize the impact they had at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, Cream, 
Yeah, obviously. well, I've done, the, I've done cream. <laughs> yeah, I love cream. I mean, Israeli Gears is still my favourite album cover. I love it, the second album, the second one with all the pink. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Stuff. That's that, still my favourite album cover. Did you ever see watch them live in the heyday, Cream? No, unfortunately. No, no that would have been cool. No, that would have been good. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Well, um, I've got a little note here. I don't know any information, but I've heard that you had some project involving Hans, Hans Zimmer. Is is that gobbledygook or is that something? Hans Zimmer was the keyboard player in Krakatoa. Right. That's all oh, right. That's what it, that's what it was then. Yeah. Ah, yeah. that's amazing. Because he's obviously super successful now. There to start with, originally it was a completely different band. Well, apart from Roger, who I do a lot of this library music with, the guitarist, right? Um, and then Dave Popson was the bass player who ended up being one of the first managers of Saxon. Ah, and that's how I got into Saxon. That's where I was, I was going to ask, How did you get that's literally what I had done, written down? So that's and Paul, I, you know, with the Toya thing, we've done uh. Paul had listened to a lot of the Toya stuff that I'd played on. Dave rang me up one day and said, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> the next thing I knew, there I was in Saxon. That's know. amazing. So you didn't have to audition or anything like that? Yeah, I went up and had a blow. Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, they were, I think it was, when was it? It was on um, Sunday. It was Sunday. He rang me up and said, what are you doing? And I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm in Toya because, I mean, we were like doing... Two or three sell out nights at Hammersmith and stuff. So we were. Oh right! You know, wow! I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't really. I didn't really know. Wow! Yeah, we did two two sell outs at Hammersmith. I think. Yeah, it was big. Wow! Um, he said, "What are you doing now?" I said, "Well, actually, I'm just at my mum and dad's having Sunday dinner." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Oh right. Um, well, Saxon are starting their big tour, denim and leather tour, on Wednesday. Right. This was Sunday. Right. We're starting on Wednesday, and they have got a drummer." Pete Gilbert's hand, and uh, and I said, well, you know, try other people first, and then if you get stuck, I'll, you know, I'll come up, whatever. Wow. And he, I know exactly what he did. He just sat by his telephone for an hour and then rang me back. <laughs> you wanted you? So he said, can you come up to London? And I went, yeah, okay. So I drove up to London, met him, and then we drove up to somewhere in Hertfordshire, thinking, well, just north of London to an old disused cinema where they were rehearsing and um, or routining for this tour. Yeah. And I always remember because I sort of turned up, I was wearing like, I don't know, sort of like new wavy type clothes. And obviously Biff looked at me as if I was like, what's this? <laughs> and I, I, in my brain, I thought, I'll show you pal. You know, that immediately got my back up. They had a couple of other guys there. Um, I mean, just played through a couple of songs and then, you know, the initial plan was, because I was doing a lot of sessions at the time anyway. Right. And I could pick stuff up pretty quick because, I, you know, I mean, the, the first gig was on Wednesday. Yeah, that's amazing. And there was a, did you know much of their material? Like, did you oh, listen I, to Saxon I, a lot? I had bloody tickets to go and see oh, right. So you were, you were a fan? Which was here in Brighton. <laughs> that's amazing. So I learned the stuff and the plan was one of the other guys that, had, had been classed in as well. The idea was, because I said I can't stay, you know, because I was planning to go back in the studio with Toya. Yeah, of course. 
And I said, I can't, you know, I can do like maybe a week or whatever it was. And they said, right, well, we'll have this other guy sit behind you and gives him more time to learn the stuff. And when you go, he can take over. So I thought, okay. So he went down to Brighton and then, because um, they managed to get the Brighton Centre for a couple of extra days before their gig. Right. So we had this Pete Gill kit, which was on wheels, this high percussion, whatever thing was, it was all joined together. All right. So I would be upstairs in the dressing room, rehearsing with say, I don't know, Dobby and Paul or something, because going through the stuff and I had to learn the live endings, you know, because lots of them were fade outs. On yes. The That's the thing I, I kind of stress about if I've got to learn a song, yeah. And like the end, you know, the live ending is different than the recording. It's just like, oh. And then, so we were doing, we were doing, I was learning about three or four songs and then the crew would take the drum kit down, put it on the stage and then we'd run through it on the stage, get right, yeah, that's okay. Take it back upstairs. Oh. Luckily, there were lifts, you know, to take oh. it back. So, and then do it like that. So I had to learn, I mean, I made, I was making notes as well, not musical notes as such, but just little notes like sort of, left hand guitarist starts song you counting one two three simple flash bash and all this yeah so i had a book of sort of uh things at the side that i had to you know so i was like reading sort of reminding myself of the arrangements and stuff so like a like a prompt i i know what you mean yeah, I, 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 yeah. I had to do this recently I, I i stood in for one gig for a local band the drummer it was double booked and he asked me oh, would you no i think i I think I volunteered because at the time I was quiet and I thought I got to put myself out there a little bit more, play, you know, play some more stuff. It was, you know, only a little gig um, yeah. and it was all original material and it was, you know, half an hour set. I can do that. No problem. But yeah, that's exactly what I did. Make a little kind of, I had like a little page for each song with the structure and like how many, how, yeah. many, how many bars this verse was and, you know. Exactly, yeah. And it it really yeah. helped on the gig, on the gig it really helped. And I think if I didn't, if I hadn't done that, I probably would have messed up a couple of times or, you know, but it really helped. So it's worth making the time to do that. Yes, yeah, so I did that. I think I screwed up one little bit, but I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone in the audience noticed. Nah, but, they, they, but, it, but it was, um, I mean, that, that's how we did it. And the plan was, so this guy was behind me, this first gig in Brighton. After that, he never came back. What? So I thought, where's he gone? Oh, and Dave had sent him away because I think it was always Dave's plan to get me in the band, I think, mm. after they got rid of Pete Gill. Yeah. So then uh, they asked me to join after about a week. They asked me to join. Would I be interested in joining permanently? So in the end, I went, yeah, what the hell? Is it, it right? to be in a band with all equal people rather than you know all the emphasis was on Toya in our band okay so yeah, we I... did all the interviews everything and we were just although we wrote all the material all right we were just regard she wrote lyrics obviously but i mean we wrote all the music she we were just regarded as a bunch of faceless session players mm. which is a bit by some of the press not by all but i mean the album the album that i was on with her was like massive Oh wow! But uh, but it, again, as I say, it was just nice being being with a bunch of equals, you know. Yeah, I yes, yeah, so you were an equal part of the band. Yeah. When it yeah. came to everything, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, I can uh, understand that. And then the next thing, we threw my book away. He said, Did "Well, you're not having that anymore." Yeah. Uh, it I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. 
Oh, well, it's amazing to know you were a fan beforehand. I think that's, oh, that yeah, must be yeah. such a special I thing. I had, I had um, David sent me down Wheels of Steel. I think Dave Popton sent me Wheels of Steel down. I think I bought Strong Arm and I think I bought Denim as well. So, yeah. Nice. Right. So I knew some of the songs, you know, roughly. Yeah, yeah like I said, you knew, you know, you'd heard them. That's, that gives you the start over learning some songs you've never yeah. listened to in your entire life yeah because that's what's hard when you've got to learn something from scratch oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, you're just constantly listening to to them until they get drilled in somehow but exactly. that, that's, that's such a cool story though because I, I wasn't really sure on how it all happened you know so everyone's got everyone's got this story let's move on then um you've obviously played with so many different bands over the years whether it's like tour support or they supported you or festivals who who have been your favorite bands to play with oh, 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 oh. oh geez there's so many i mean oh, i'm sure there are yeah I'm you sure know without bloody you know buttering you i enjoyed it when we were you know when you guys played with us for a start i thought that was great i love you know? yeah, i loved that it was amazing yeah that was good time you know? thank you yeah, uh, thanks yeah no seriously that was good i mean there's I, can't, I mean, we love playing with, you know, Priest. When we did the American run with Priest. Yeah, I bet that was amazing. That's great, you know. They're all really nice guys. We get on them. We get on with them excellently, you know. Yeah. Motorhead, we used to get on great. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I think it's it's more a case of who have been sort of pain in the backsides, really. But I'm well, not going to mention anyone, so. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what... I, I was going to ask, but I knew I, I've written like you don't have to answer. But I know I've heard people ask similar questions on other part, um, podcasts, but you don't have to. Obviously, no, I don't no, expect no, you to no, diss, no. diss anyone. But yeah, no, so, no. I mean, I really enjoyed. We, you know, I really enjoyed the Maiden tour when we went out with Maiden and Stokes. Yeah, but that uh, was incredible. Yeah, it was. It was good. Uh, um, cheap trip was great with us. You know, all of the Triumph. Um, Later on, you know, like, no, they were wine, tea, great. Nice. nice. You know, so. You've had some good experiences then with some other bands. Um, and I should say, you know, you know, and it was like on our last tour here, you know, we had FM. Yeah. You know, great, great band. Love them, you know. And uh, it was funny. I'll tell you a story about that. Like, you know, there was uh, during the sort of mid 80s, Pete Jupp, the drummer. Right. From FM. Him and me were both with Premier. Okay. And it was funny. Premier used to bring out this, I think it was like a sort of quarterly, like a newspaper thing or something that used to go in the music shops for free. Yeah. And it was always me, Pete, I think Mel Gaynor, maybe Charlie Morgan, who was with Elton John for a long time. All right. Cool. Um, and it was hilarious. And we were always in it. Every bloody time. And until that tour last year, we'd never met. Really? The never met each huh? other. It was like hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> is, he, is he still with Premier, do you know? Um, yeah, he's got a Prem kit at the moment. Prem, I think Premier are operating as such. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're not, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But he's got a, he's got a, I think he's got a vintage Prem kit he uses. Oh, but cool. great player. Great player. Yeah, and what a nice bunch of guys they are too. Right? I'll have to look. I'll have to, I don't think we've ever crossed paths. So no, they're I'll great. Say, really say hello. Great songs. Great songs. Really nice guys. That's that's cool. Um, let's go. Let's go back again. Then what? 
because we haven't mentioned this yet, what made you first pick up the drums? Like, how did you start playing? Um, it was just, you know, I mean, I've got an older brother and he was kind of sort of introducing me to music, so to speak, because he was playing, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I started playing drums when I was seven or eight. Seven or eight, okay. Similar to me, I think. And, and it's just like a friend of my father's always noticed that I was tapping away whenever a record was on. Yeah. You know, or something. I was always tapping, or something on television or whatever, you know, one of these Saturday night variety shows or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just persuaded my dad to buy me a snare drum, the little cymbal. Awesome. And it went from there, I guess. And it was after, it was after that. And then, then I got a bass drum and one rack on and a hi-hat. And it sort of went from there. And, and I had a few lessons initially with a teacher at school. But the first guy, it was so, God almighty, it was like one of those like 1920s bass drums. It was massive, this thing. You know, it was yeah. like, oh, trying to teach me all this sort of, you know, I don't know, like, you know, one, two, three, all this stuff. And then, and then he left and another guy took over who, who was actually, he was a drummer in, in the pits at the London Palladium. Oh, wow. Big London Palladium cool. there. So I always remember going up to the London Palladium and there he was and I was only about, you know, yeah, about eight years old and sort of waving at him and he went yeah. back. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, but those were the only sort of, sort of lessons I had, really. Um, and then after that, I kept finding myself listening more and more to the bass on albums. So it was after that, I, I, I sort of, I can't remember what I had to sell. I think it was something, something to do with a train set or something. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bass guitar, I mean, got a bass guitar, so I was playing bass. And then we got um, with some friends at school, so we would have been like, I don't know, 13, 14, something like that, 15. We, we started a little band, you know. We were just playing along to stuff like Procol Harum and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And yeah, all that. We were, you know, and, and then eventually I had to go on a on a proper drum kit, so I went back to that. So the rest of the train set went, and the bass guitar went, and, and I bought a, an Olympic drum kit. Oh, nice, nice. And that was it, and then we started doing, you know, playing a few youth clubs. We were doing like Cream and Free, Jethro Tull stuff, you know, just covers. Probably sounded bloody awful, but who knows? No, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were- That's so what kind of age were you when you were playing the gigs, when you started playing gigs? Started playing gigs, probably about 15. Okay, yeah. Cool. Something like that. 15, 16, I think it was. Um, so at, at that time, what drummers were your main influences? Kind of ones you mentioned, I guess, in the bands. Yeah, but I mean, actually, it's funny. Uh, um, you know, I mean, obviously, at, at the early age, it was people like the bloody Shadows. You right, know, yeah, well, yeah. You know, it was like Tony Meehan and then Brian Bennett came in. Yeah. Brian Bennett was an amazing drummer. I thought he was just amazing. And the thing that was really great was um, a few years ago, I went to the London Drum Show. Cool, yeah. And uh, I was just there and I was talking to, uh, oh, God, who the hell was it? I can't remember who it was. Huh? And in walked Brian Bennett. Really? He walked in, and also another guy, another drummer called Clem Cattini, who's around the same age as Brian. Right. Yeah. And he used to play on all, like, he was the big session man in the 60s, one of the big session men. 
he walked in so i got my picture taken with both of them and it was oh, like nice. yeah that was great that made my day that did you know i bet that was yeah that was amazing legends for me you know but um i guess them and then later on you know we had the who and all that sort of yeah close sort of players you know yeah so i don't know then to say then sabbath came later on sabbath later on but in the early days it was like yeah i guess you know i was just listening i didn't have a particular favorite i don't think you know listening to them all yeah, you know, you take things from yeah, everyone's things playing really. There. I mean, I loved Mitch Mitchell. Yeah, I, I love yeah. When I when I again when I did my my period, I got into Mitch Mitchell and blew my yeah. mind. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at the time, I always want I always preferred his drum sound. I loved his Chris snare sound. Yeah, and at the time, I thought I'd love to hear him play with Cream. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point actually. You know, because it was just I just loved his crisp. But yeah, I mean, so it's just people like that, really. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Um, you mentioned you go to the NAMM show. Yeah. Um, so you've probably, over the years, you've probably played various different brands and drum gear. Yeah. Like you said, your first kit was a Olympus kit. Well, my my very first kit, I mean, when I was seven. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. What was that? A complete mish, mishmash. It was like the bass player, the bass drum was a gigster. Right. It was funny actually, some, I'm trying to think, some vintage drum site actually let me know what all these things were originally. Oh, that's cool. The Rack Tom was president. Now, I don't know who made that. The snare drum, I can't, I don't know. It was like a real thin, like a piccolo. Okay. Full size, but a real thin piccolo. So I can't, I mean, I'm, but this this uh, vintage site went on and said, "Oh yeah, Geeksters. They were made by boom, 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 boom. Oh, and the President Tom. Yeah, that's right. That was made by so." And I was like, "Really? Oh, that's brilliant!" You know. So some of these people are well up on this stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. The weird thing about that, the one about the the um, the Tom. The interesting one about the Tom was, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember if it was an English or American Tom. But at the time, it wouldn't take a regular twelve-inch head. It was pretty big. Pre-international, they call it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No more than I do. So a little bit. Bloody heads for it. It was like, oh, God. Yeah, they still make them now for for like the vintage drums, I believe. But um, yeah, it's not easy to find, but you you can get them. Yeah. So then after that, that was orange glitter. Oh, nice. Nice. Right. Orange glitter. And then, then, then then it was the Olympic, which was like red glitter. Cool. And that was a 20-inch kit drum, 16-inch floor, and two 12-inch rack toms. Okay, two 12-inch. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, and I had, a, I had an Olympic snare as well. Okay. Which was red glitter as well. And then I went on to, then there was this company, Rose Morris, who used to have a big shop in London. Right. And they bought out this make of drums called Shaftesbury. So I bought them out. And then I went on to like two 22-inch bass drums, two 13 by nines, and two 16 floors. Nice. So that was all right. I wish I had all these now. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and then while I had that, um, uh, what happened after that? I can't remember what. I think it was a Shaftesbury snare I had with that, actually a wood snare. And then after that, then you had Pearl and Tama came out then. And, and they did all the little toms. Oh, yeah. You know, six, eight, ten, twelve, the concert toms. And yeah. I wanted that. 
I wanted that because I was listening to a, at the time, one of my favorite bands was this Italian band called PFM. And their drummer had this complete range, all these little toms going right round. And I thought, I've got to have that. And these were the only two companies that did them. Wow. So I sort of used to go to a music store in Worthing just along the road. And I'd A, B, a B you know, Pearl Tama, Pearl Tama. And I ended up with a Tama kit. Right, okay. 22 inch kit. And then it was like 6, 8, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I had, and that was the one that got trashed in the Krakatoa oh. thing. Such a shame. So then, I know that got totally trashed, but then we got insurance off the, the, um, the truck driver's company or whatever. So then I bought another time, but this time I went to double bass drum. Nice, nice. And that was basically the same. It was another, you know, yeah. concert Tom kit. And then, then I sort of, uh, I, then I bought another Tom kit. I got rid of that one with double heads because I really got into Neil Peart then. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the concert toms were single-headed and everything else was double-headed again. And I had, um, you know, I had another pearl snare and I had a lovely brass Gretsch. Oh, nice. And then after that, um, with the Toya thing, I got into, I was really into Terry Bozio's playing at the time. Well, I saw him with um, Missing Persons. Oh, cool. you know, I saw what he was using. So I had like one 22-inch kick drum and eight rosa toms. <laughs> That's crazy. That's <laughs> so that crazy. was like six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, I think it was. Right. All rosa and, and snares, obviously. That's mad. But yeah, so that's when I went to that. And then from there, I went to the Saxons thing. Yeah. And for a while, I started using um, Pete Gill's high percussion kit initially. Okay. The rotor tom kit didn't have the power. No, really. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, and then I got a Tama kit from there. And then after that, um, I got a deal with Ludwig. Ah. So I had two Ludwig kits. I had one in England, one in America. And they were the ones with the big power toms that everyone was into at that time. You know, yeah. take all the bottom heads off, shove the mic up the backside. Yeah, yeah. You know, sounded bloody awful, actually, with the mic up because you just got this. I mean, it was a great idea because you got the separation of each drum. No one, no drum was leaking onto another one. Yeah. But was that the main idea f for why they did that? Yeah, the I think separation? so. Okay. I think so. The problem was you were getting this plastic boink, boink. from the head. Yeah. You're hitting a boink. You know, you're yeah. getting this. And, um, but they were pretty amazing drum kits. And then um, after that, uh, what happened then? Oh, that's right. Um, they got, Ludwig got... Um, I think they got bought out by Selma. Oh, right. And um, I think they got bought out. I became very good friends and still am good friends with Bill Ludwig III, who's the son. Oh, wow. And he, you know, he was the main A&R guy when I was there. Now he's got his own company now um, doing drums. Um, cool. I didn't but, know that. Uh, they sort of, they sort of, the quality sort of went down once this other company had come in. I think a lot of the metal was sort of, mm. you know. But then at, I was at Reading. And uh, I got approached by um, Premier. Right, yeah. So I ended up with Premier. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. So I, had, I had two kits with Prem. I had, you know, the, what, what's known as the barbed wire kit. They did this, like, finish on it, for which is like, you know, just a wrap. Yeah. And then, um, and then I moved, I sort of went, sort of got another kit off them. And then, um, then there came the break. Yeah. 
and I, and I, I went, you know, I was using that kit again, um, but I sort of, I sort of rang them up about, you know, sort of maybe getting another kit and there was no one there I knew anymore. They'd all gone, hmm. all the people there. So um, the next thing was um, I ended up, you know, with, with Duelist, who, who I'm with now. Yeah, you're still with them now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I've got two, I've got one kit here and I've got one in America. That makes sense. I remember you telling me about that one. I think it must have been fairly new. The, the one you were using in Europe when we did those shows with you? Was it quite a new kit? No, 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 no. Oh, I've had that quite a while. I had that, that, I think I got that on the, um, I think it was the, was it the call to arms? Actually, I'm not sure. It was either the call to arms or the tour before. Um, oh, okay. Labyrinth, I think I've had that since. Uh, that's getting on that kit now, the red one. The one in America is like a blue glass glitter. So. Right. Yeah, maybe it was that one then you said it was... Newer. I, I can't, maybe I'm just making things yeah. up. But, um, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I've been, I've been using Peisty since, uh, since 81. Oh, that, that, that's nice. That's great. Well, why would you, why would you change? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, a couple of other companies tried to get me and I went, no. Yeah, no, no chance. That. And it's almost like with Peisty, it's almost like a family thing anyway. Yeah. Which is... You know. That's what you want, really, and yeah, they support yeah, but, you. And right. what, what, what is? Do you mind talking a little bit about your Pasty setup at the moment? Yeah, fine. So it's interesting for some people, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> I, I find it really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. I use. I've got two hi hats. So I, I use um, my main hi hats at 13, thirteen. Okay, quite small. And my next hat, I've got fourteens, and okay. both of them. Both of them are sort of signature series, dark, dark crisp. Yeah. Crash-wise, I use um, uh, thin or wild rude crashes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Before that, I was using two thousand and two wild crashes, um, but I went, but they, but they stopped making a seventeen because I use, I, I have like, I use um, two eighteens, seventeen, and nineteen. Okay. Crashes. And they stopped doing a seventeen in the in the um, other ones. And I, Christian, who's the main you know A and R guy there, Christian said at the time he said, "Well, t- try take a set of these roods with you as well." So I'd always had them with me. Yeah. And I'd never tried them actually. I was using I was using the, the, the wilds, and I suddenly thought, "I'm going to put these up, and I love them now." So cool. I use those. Um, I've got three chinas. Nice. Um, I use uh, I'm trying to think of the sizes now. Um, an eighteen Novo Rude, and then there's a signature twenty-one inch signature, I think it is, and then like a twenty inch or twenty-one inch um, Wild China. Cool. And there are various um, sort of like splashes and belts. Yeah, little. Have a little belly, you know, goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, little things like that. You know, and and the ride is um, over here. I use the blue Stuart Copeland ride. Cool, very cool. In America, I've got the Danny Carey one, the purple one. Oh, nice. And I can't. They're both sort of heavy, heavy rides. I can't make up my mind which one I prefer because uh, <laughs> I yeah. like them both. But it's uh, I can't make up my mind. It's hard to justify having two on one setup. I know some drummers. Some some drummers do it. Yeah, uh, and the other thing is, I'm just sort of. Um, 
got some of these, well, they call them the Swiss cheese, the ones with the holes in. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got so a couple of those. I've just got one of those up there now. So I think the Novo China is going to be uh, retired or go somewhere else. So I might put that there just for a variation in sound, you know. Oh, of course. You, you, it's good to, to see that you like mix and match the different ranges. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so blend know, them together. Yeah, and I've got a you know a couple of little bell symbol things, and I like all I like these sort of things, you know, like sort of you know drum Garrett Garrett Gavin Harrison puts little yes. bell thing flashing. I love all that stuff, you yeah. know. It's like makes your ear go, oh, what was that? That was nice. Yeah, um, something different that stands out. Yeah, hmm. that's cool. So I read you were you recently recording drums for a new album again? Yeah, and but last year, last. last year. Okay. So that's not released yet no it's not finished yet it's not finished yet obviously it's no. probably been halted now because of all this yeah because because of this and plus the fact you know it got it got sort of um postponed a bit again because of this yes thing. of course yeah, yeah. Uh, and and plus the fact you know it, it may end up that we may end up doing some more songs we had 12 tracks i think i did um but you know, we might have some other ideas in the interim. So maybe a couple of them will go, and something else slots in. So yeah, I, I, yeah. At I get the moment, that. I don't think there's any rush. No, there's, exactly. There's no rush, is it, to get it out? Bring it out when we can tour it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's really? kind of a waste, isn't it? So. But I, but I went over there and did the drum because we did. Um, we had all the demos, which were all done to click tracks. And I went over to Velby, our tour manager. He set my drums up and um, Jackie, our sound guy, came out. So we just set the drums up in the storage place. And I played and I played along basically to the demos. Nice. So there was no other members of the band there? No. Oh, cool. Which, yeah. I, I like recording like that. I actually yeah. prefer recording like that. That's what I kind of figured may have happened. And so, do you normally do that? Is that the yeah. normal situation? I like to do that way. That's the way I like it because it's like I've mentioned in interviews before. It, it, it sort of, I feel more relaxed. Yeah. Like in the past, you know, when, when everyone's in there and they're all playing, it's like you're going, great. You know, obviously the first thing that's got to stay are the drums. Yeah. Everything else can be replaced. Of course, yeah. But you've got to have a good drum track. And obviously the better the drum track, the better the sort of, basis for the song is yes right? of course yeah yeah and i i found you know when everyone was there you know in, in a big studio room and you know the drums are sort of partitioned off and everything i might be doing a great track and someone screws up in that track yeah and then you have to redo it so yeah. then, say halfway it's like why did you stop that was i was on this i was having a great one so then you do it again this time i might screw up so then you stop again and, and you sort of get it in your head. Like in my head, I used to get it. I've got to get it this time because I don't want to, you know, if I, if I keep screwing up or something, I don't want to piss people off. Yeah. Yeah. Like they get impatient or, you know, you get to a point, I get to a point and think, right, I've got to just get through this track. You wouldn't really go for it. You wouldn't take a risk. Yeah. To do anything to get that track finished. Yeah. Whereas, how we did, for instance, the Sacrifice album, that was great because we actually recorded it where we wrote it, where we wrote most of it. Nice, nice. So it wasn't like going into a completely different environment, everything being set up. It was like you know, sort of your own armchair 
the kit was there. It was just comfortable. I'd been playing it for weeks yeah. while we were writing. So it was just like going in for another writing session almost, right? What we did this time, and, and we've done, you know, with other things, is that I'll go in maybe with, with which guitarist plays the song the best. But, right. You know, some <laughs> get a riff that riff suits them more this riff suits him more yeah yeah so and the bass player with i always record with a click we'll put the track down we'll play the track down i mean sometimes luckily they'll go that's a great track first take bang done you know if we were all rehearsed and what have you it's yeah. great but if i if i want to do it again or, or you know the producer wants me to do it again it's usually me because i'm you know i i I'm quite sort of hard on myself, actually. I like, you know, I don't like letting things go. Yeah, I think that's a good way to be, though. You can't, you can't change it no. two months later, can you? <laughs> so I think, you know, it's not a case of, oh, I wish I'd done that, you know. So, but and then, but I've got them playing along to me with a click, so I've got them. And they can bugger off and go to the pub if they want. <laughs> yeah. So leave me to it. Yeah. So I can do it now, but I've got them as a guide. Yeah. So that's great. And it's, it's click track. And no, stop there. I didn't like that feel. I'm going to drop into another one. Bang. Let's do it again. Yeah. I mean, I did the sacrifice. I did the sacrifice album, including because we were so well rehearsed in a comfortable environment because we'd been there for weeks on and off. So it wasn't like, as I say, going into a strange studio, mic, different mics everywhere. Yeah. All straight in. Bang. I did that album in two and a half days. Wow. Oh, that's so fast. That's amazing. Because I was really comfortable. Yeah. And it, and it was got, and it got, because we'd been playing quite a bit, I was quite fit. Yeah. And plus, I was like finishing a song going, oh, that's, yeah, that, we've got that one. And do the next one. Oh, first take, done. Bang, that's great. I've got one more in me. Come on, let's do another one. Bang. So I, I was the one going, come on, I want to do another one now. Yeah, because I guess, obviously, I don't know what the situation was then, but sometimes there might be reasons why the producer might want to prolong it if he wants to earn a few extra quid out off you or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But always certain ideas how he wants things to sound. As well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we don't really have a producer now as such. We're yeah. just sort of, you know, we're sort of our own producers, so to speak, you know. No, that's cool. I like that. That's really cool. I know my job, the guitarists know their job, you know. So we don't need anyone actually telling us what to do as such, because we know what we've got to do. But uh, no, I mean, it's just a great way of recording. And it's, and it's almost the same with you know, when I've been up to Andy Sneaks and recorded drums up there. It's the same sort of thing. I like to be there on my own, just me and Andy. Bang, it's great. We have a good laugh. Yeah. Which is great. And we get on with it. I guess if all the band agrees that that's okay, I'm sure that's fine. But does anyone ever say, oh, I don't like that fill you did on this song later on? Or is it just uh, tough? They just accept that oh, that's what you've done. And that's yeah, they just have to bloody accept it. Yeah, stuff, yeah. so th I guess that's the only... I mean, I'm sure everyone's got their own sort of idea. You know, everyone's yeah. got their own ideas about things. Yeah. You know, um, but I mean, a Andy's pretty... He's pretty on the case. He'll go, yeah, that fit, uh, I don't say, I'm not sure that fill, or come on, go madder in that bit. He'll say something like, he won't exactly tell me what to play, but he said, go on, let rip in that. You know, nice, nice. Go on the China there now. Yeah. The so we talk about it, and it's great because we both, we want the best for the album. So it's not like, don't tell me I'm the drummer, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. 
we want the best for the album so whatever there's no sort of sort of pride thing comes in shall we say yeah oh that's cool you know let's do it bang you know i mean occasionally i have a sort of i listen to something go oh i don't you know you know guitarist might do a solo or something and i'll go i'll to myself i think oh i don't know don't like that note. I wish he'd gone there, but that's how he felt it. So leave it. You should leave it. Yeah. You just accept it, and that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's everyone's different and has their own yeah. thing. That's, that's, that's interesting to know that you do it that way. I do prefer. I've got to say, I do prefer doing it that way. I, I find I can work quicker. You can work well. Yeah, you can be more efficient. It makes sense, really, yeah. doesn't it? And, yeah, I haven't to worry about. I haven't got to worry about anyone else screwing up. And if, if I've done, say, four takes, I haven't got to worry about someone going, oh, my fingers are hurting now, I can't play anymore. Oh, I snapped a string. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something, something like that. No, cool. I've just done the drums for our next album recently. All right. Again, we're, yeah. we're kind of self-producing it. Todd, my brother's recording it. And we did that. I, obviously, he's in the band, so it's a little bit different. But it was just me and him, and we did the drums. No one yeah. else was there, but that was because of the coronavirus. I think if <laughs> if we were not in a lockdown, I think the other guys may have turned up. And but again, I I enjoy the experience. Like I go at my own pace. Todd just did a rough guitar track to a click, and then I played to that, which is what yeah. like like you said. If I wanted to stop, I could stop. Mm. Or but I didn't have to stop for anyone else. Yeah, it was a track to play to. So yeah, it was similar, and I did enjoy it. Yeah, I I would do it again. Some yeah. Sometimes I like feedback. Yeah, it was, it was definitely different because the, the 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 first album we did, we we when I was recording the drums, everyone was playing live with me. And like you said, yeah, there were probably occasions where, yeah, they, or something was off, someone was out of tune, or or sometimes they might just play a bum note and that puss you off. And yeah. Then you and then it affects your playing. That's but right. Yeah. They go in. They go into a chorus, a bar early, or something. Yeah, something like that. Because. Yeah. It can be quite yeah. monotonous, you know. You're playing yeah. the same song over and over again, or whatever. Yeah. I I understand what it's what it's like. I also think, and you know, it seems to be a sort of thing. I mean, I think for me, which my usual best ones, probably one, two, or three takes. The first, the second, or the third. After that, it's like because it's a new track and it's refreshing. Yes. But we've played it about eight times. It's like, <laughs> can we yeah. do something else now? Yeah, you, yeah, I guess your your mind starts kind of losing, yeah, other, in, losing interest. I mean, the other thing we sometimes do is, you know, the first track we put the first one down, and obviously as you're going on, you get more into it, more into the songs, and more cooking. So we might come back to the first one and redo it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, we, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, hmm. or you'll change the sound, or I, I don't know what you do. Right, I, I sometimes I'll use different snare drums or. Oh, right. Okay. Sometimes for certain songs. And then, because I, I had to redo one with a different snare drum after Todd said, I, I've listened back to the original one you did on day one. I want you to redo it with this snare drum now because I think it'll be beneficial. And then, oh, right. Okay. So, that, yeah. yeah, that was, you know, it's a sim similar kind of thing. Tune the snare up a bit, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Sound better later on in the recordings. And when, once we, re we redid another track, 2 BPM faster. After we yeah. listened to it, yeah, over a few days and realised, oh, I think maybe we can bring it up a little bit. So I redid another track, but yeah. it's, it's all for the better, the benefit of the recording. That's, I mean, that's you know, we do that as well. And going, yeah, that seems a bit, 
little bit frantic. Let's slow it down a couple of beats, you know. Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I don't even know if I mentioned this, but the, the name of the podcast is Drum for the Song. Drum for the Song. Yeah, right. which is Perfect. inspired by my own kind of personal discipline of like not overplaying. Uh, I, yeah. I, um, I, I know I don't consider myself someone who overplays. I know that's hard to define, but I, I, I kind of don't go too crazy. Um, I don't like obstructing the other instruments and the other parts and the vocals. Yeah. Is that, is that something you believe in as well? Oh, totally. Totally. It's important. Yeah. It really annoys me when I hear a totally tasteless drum fill. It really pisses me off. You know, it's like, I hate it. Yeah, you should always play for the song. Always. Yeah, it is really important. Um, and, and it should always groove. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> it would have been awkward if you said no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, you know, it's like, here we go. It's like, you know, for me, Mr. Groove, I mean, one of the Mr. Grooves is Phil Rudd. Yeah, totally. He's, he's one of my inspirations, really, on this. As soon as he starts playing, it's, your feet start going. It's not the guitar riff that get you tapping. No, it's the drum. It's the drum. We went. We did one of these. Um, I can't remember, actually, one of the Monsters of Rock cruises. Oh, nice. nice. Monsters of Rock. Oh, it might have been the one we were on. One in. It was. Um, I think it was a Vacan cruise. Actually, I think it was in in the Mediterranean. We were on there for a couple of nights, and I think and Phil. Phil Rudd's band, not ACDC, his band, whatever they call it. Yeah. I know, yeah, they were touring a few years ago, weren't they? Yeah. did an album with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they were playing on the deck, and so I went up to watch them. And literally, as soon as he started playing, my feet were off. I was nice. like, oh, yeah, this is great. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. That's you know, I know there's different genres where it maybe it's harder to tap your foot to, but generally the drums, it's about grooving. And yeah, it is. Getting people dancing, if if that's the kind of style. Yeah, but I, I'm, you know, I, I just, I just hate totally tasteless fills. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Okay, so you can do it, but so what? Yeah. You don't have to put it in everything. Yeah. You know? that, 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 I mean, I'll give you another prime example is, is Vinnie Colluta. I mean, he's on. Um, he did some tracks on an Asia album. And there's one track he does, I and mean, it just grooves like a mother. It's just great. It's just like, you know, just, uh, you know, it's just grooving. And he's putting little punctuations, with quick, a couple of little splash symbols here and there, which I love when he does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's hardly, there's nothing on it. And then suddenly he just puts in the most ridiculous fill, just one. And you just go, whoa, what was that? Now that's just class. Yeah, yeah. Because it totally works. It's just the most tasteful fill you and it's just like, oh, every time I hear it now, it's just like, oh, I can't wait for that. Come on. Nice. <laughs> it is. It's great. And he don't, there's hardly a, another fill in the song. I don't know how good he is. He's, he's a lot of people's favorite drummers, I think. Yeah. From what yeah. I, when I spoke to guys over the years. And oh, I, brilliant. He's, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, but you know, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's obviously capable of pretty much anything. But oh, yeah. he plays for whatever song or band he's playing for correct yeah. well i know it's hard yeah. to be correct but tastefully yeah like you say yeah yeah you've got to play for the song the piece of music whatever that's what it's about that's what it's about exactly yeah right so um coming to the end here then 
Okay. Saxon, you, well, you're known for being extremely hardworking when it comes to touring. I think you do a lot of shows per year on average. What yeah. is your favourite country to tour in and why? Oh, God. I know that's probably oh. a difficult one. That is difficult. Uh, there isn't. I mean, there isn't one really. It's uh, every every country has its own thing. I mean, I love touring America. Yeah, I've never done that, so I can't comment. But I would love to. I, love <laughs> I mean, I just love touring America. Um, but I mean, but generally, I mean, everywhere is great, and everywhere the fans in each country have got their own thing. And like a lot of what I call the Latino fans, like South America and and. I hope they don't get offended at this, but it, but it's like all the sort of like, like Italy and Spain, you know, they go nuts. They've got their own thing. Yeah, they, you know, I think they I think they consider that a compliment. You know, they do. It, it's meant as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fans everywhere, and they, I mean, the, the German fans were so loyal to the band. You know, when the band was down in popularity, they stuck with us. Good. Yeah. And yeah. Great. I mean, there isn't, you know. I just enjoy just everywhere. And as I say, I've been to so, you know, made a lot of friends in different countries. Yeah. And, uh, and have been to countries I never would have even thought of visiting. Yeah. And it's, it's, the band has given you those opportunities. Yeah. 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 It is, it is uh, amazing. I think most people in bands who've been lucky enough to, you know, tour the world, I, I think yeah. everyone appreciates that part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And so, um, you know, every country's got its own identity. The fans have got their own identities. So it's great. Is there, is there a particular cuisine you like in the catering <laughs> in any of the countries that you look <laughs> forward to? Now you're bloody talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, um, I love Italian food. Yeah, yeah. Holland does the best ham and eggs anywhere. Does it? Okay. God, yeah. Holland's ham and egg. Whoa. Um, <laughs> it's great. Italian food's great. No, I mean, you know, everywhere. I mean, we did, we did, uh, I mean, South America, they're all big meat eaters, you know, steaks and stuff. Yeah, they're known for that, aren't they? Yeah, I've never yeah. eaten much steak in my life. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, I mean, my favorite food's Indian food, but we haven't yeah. played it. Same, so. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Um, but and German food, I love German food. Yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah, cool. So, no, great. You love you love food, then. Um, yeah, I do. I love food. We briefly mentioned earlier that um, my band Bastard Sons played some shows with you a few years ago. Yeah. One of my favourite memories. Um, I, I think it was the last show, and we came into the photo pit during your encore with a bunch of pizzas because <laughs> we we noticed that you guys were ordering pizzas. Oh yeah. After the show. So we thought yeah. oh, we will prank you. We'll we we'll make out with really getting your pizzas in front of you. <laughs> they were actually yeah. oh, we, we ordered them ourselves to kind of prank you. But um, the one I remember about that last gig was your dad setting up a stink bomb. Oh, that might have been. That was the same night, was it? Oh. I think it was. Oh well, apologies for that. <laughs> but but uh, what, I, what I was going to ask: how what kind of pranks have you been victim to? Which aren't which aren't my dad. <laughs> I, I, I assume he's probably done a few to you. I, I, he's known for it, so. Stink bomb ones. Oh my god. Yeah, they, I know they're terrible. Oh, we've had. I mean, oh, in the eighties, how was it? We had. Um, it was a band called Hanover. All right. And and um, 
it was in, I think it was in America, and then, like a load of bloody blow-up dolls ended up on the oh stage. <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, who else? We had um, Molly Hatchet, which was the first US tour I did with the band. The last gig they released about, oh, God knows how many ping pong balls onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like they dropped onto the stage. Oh yeah! That oh my god! Loads of them. Yeah, I think it was ping pong balls or tennis balls. It was one of the two, anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> but we we're the ones that usually do the pranking. Ah, oh, cool. What what are, what are your most memorable pranks then? That oh, there was given? one. For instance, there was one um, when we toured with Motley Crue in the States on their what was their second album, the big album that broke them. Um, I'm not that familiar with it, the album titles, got, to be honest. It's got the look that kill on it, anyway, okay. which is a big song. And uh, me, me and Dobby, dressed up as girls, <laughs> went up on stage. Oh, like, my God. Doing, it was hilarious. Oh, wow. And we were, like, doing singing backing vocals with it. <laughs> it was great on the stage. It sort of had these sort of stuff that looked like mini skirts on, you know. Amazing. Not a pretty sight. <laughs> We had a good one with Maiden as well, actually, when we toured with Maiden. We had uh, custard pies. Oh, you know, my God. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And it was, we came over the bloody, underneath the stage, into the orchestra, you know, the pit. Yeah. And over the front of the stage and bloody pied him. I went literally right up behind Nico. Nico's oh drumming God. away. He looked at me and I went, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> we did, um, oh, God, what was the song? And Dobby did it again, actually. Um, oh, Charlotte the Harlot, I think they were playing or something. So went up and sang backing vocals, dressed as birds, you know. Ah, like nice. <laughs> yeah, you've done your, I didn't. I know you've done your fair share then. I remember. Um, oh yeah. Biff put yeah, some chili, chili sauce in our salsa in one of the games. Oh yeah. We didn't even notice. <laughs> that was a failure, but that was that was tame, I think. Yeah. No, I I did that with. Uh, I bought this. Um, one, oh God, what was it called? Black Mamba. Doro were on tour with us and they were sharing our bus. And Baz, one of their guitarists, he calls me the Chili Assassin now. Okay. <laughs> All the time. Because I had this stuff, you only need a few drops. And I just went <laughs> right oh, in his wow. bang and he ate it. And he just it went bang. <laughs> he calls me the Chili Assassin now. That's, that's, a, cool, that's a cool nickname. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, we have fun. We have good fun. You know, nothing's done in nastiness. You yeah, know? I think it's, there's a there's only so far you should go. Yes, I think uh, there's a bound there's boundaries. I think with the pranks. Oh, um, definitely, definitely. I don't think anyone should do pranks. Sort of say all the way through someone's set or something. That's just oh no, no. That's stupid. Just a quick thing at the end, but it was really funny. The maiden one was great because we got them all except Bruce ran ran a mile. Ah. As soon as we saw them coming over the front, he ran away. Damn it. Got everyone else there. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but like it's it's like like being being on the road is you you know, they, you can get bored and there's something you can do to just keep yourself occupied for a few hours is plan a prank. Yeah. Is there like are any are there any other like hobbies or interests you do on the road to kind of keep yourself busy? Because apart from uh, sound check and the show, I guess you've got a lot of time to kill. Sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I like I, I read quite a lot. Okay, yeah. 
But uh, that's about it. Just yeah. reading and walking yeah. around with headphones on, listening to other music and stuff. You know. Yeah. Do you, do you like to go explore the cities and stuff, or I guess you've done that enough? Yeah, sometimes it. We, but I mean, you know, for instance. Let's take as an example, you know, when you've been to Munich, say, 30 times. Yes, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah, maybe it's... Really? You don't need or, to, yeah. On the other hand, you might go, oh, yeah, that was, I remember that bar. Yeah, we'll go to that bar after the gig. Yeah, and then... Good. I quite like doing that after a gig, actually, finding, like, a nice bar near the gig and just sitting in there for a couple of hours. Yeah, it can be nice, can't it? Yeah. Chill out, have a few beers and chill out. You know, it's great. Yeah. Um, I notice you like your beers. Oh yeah, I do. I was gonna. I've seen your social media posts. So, oh, do you have a favorite or favorite type? I, IPAs. And IPA. Double IPA and double IPAs. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like it basically those, and um, I like quite a few of the stouts as well. You know, okay. chocolate flavored or coffee flavored stouts and stuff. Yeah, they can be really interesting, can't they? When they. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Um, no, all the IPAs. I mean, there's different ones. There's East Coast IPA, you know, American East Coast. There's West Coast IPA, which has got a different flavour again. And, yeah, I know. I'm uh, really up on the... Uh, I, I love trying... Yeah. I, I love trying beers. I've, I've always been into it since I was about 18. I worked in, yeah, a, re- yeah. I worked in a real ale pub and I got got, got into it then. But uh, it's all changed since then with all these craft breweries. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, I can't... I have to chill everything now. Yeah. I like it all chilled, whether it's a stout or what. I mean, some of the, you know, the, the hardcore probably go, mm, you can't do that. But I like them in the fridge, whatever they are. As cold as know. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely. I don't like it warm. No. don't like it warm. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a pub in um, Austin. I think it's called the Flying Saucer. I never got the chance to go there yet. And they've got over yeah. 100 beers on tap. Whoa. That could be messy. <laughs> I think for people like, like, it sounds like you like trying different beers, like I do. It's, I enjoy the variety of it. Even like, I think some people like, they'll find one they like and they'll stick to it. They're not as yeah. adventurous or they, they're afraid that they're going to buy a pint that they don't enjoy, which I can yeah. understand because yeah. I've, had, I've had many pints I don't enjoy, but I just like trying something different. Yeah. I mean, no, was, I mean, when we were, when we were, you know, living, living in the States, because I was living there for the past three years. Yeah. Near where we were, there was um, there was a, a sort of bar called Hops and Thyme, as in Thyme the herb. Yeah, tea, yeah, yeah. And that was great. They had about thirty odd on tap. Nice. But you could give you a little glass. You, they had a whole menu how it was described. What is it? What type of? What, what is it? And you know, yeah. do you want to try a bit? Yeah, okay. And they give you a, a little taste. Yeah, there, oh, yeah. Great. I have a pint of that then. Yeah, I think a lot of places do that now. And um... yeah, they could. I think it's great. Not everyone is aware that they offer that service, you know. But then, so there was that, and then there was another one about five minutes away from where we were living called the Ginger Man, and they had about 50-odd oh, on nice. tap. Nice. And it was great. And they had they had this one by, I think, what's it called? Alaskan Beer Company, I think, was the company. And uh, they had this one called Spruce IPA, and you could actually smell spruce. You know, spruce, like wow. Fur tree sort of thing. Wow. It was beautiful, lovely. Oh, good. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of beer drinkers out there. Um, my li- my little brother who plays bass in the band Tyler, he's he's big into it, and he's got those beer subscriptions, so he gets them sent to the house every week or every month or whatever it is. So he's always yeah. trying different ones. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, no, I've got a thing. I haven't got a regular thing, but I've, I've got a thing with a couple of online companies. So yeah. it's a good idea. Know. Yeah, it's a good idea, especially now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just try different ones out. Yeah, cool. Um, but this is the final question. And okay, it's a, it's a question I'm going to ask everyone that I interview. Okay. In this situation, excluding members of Saxon, what other musicians, dead or alive, would be in your dream band with yourself on drums? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know where you start, but it'd be interesting oh, to know what your dream band would be. God. Um, probably Tony Banks on keyboards, who's the Genesis keyboard player. Yeah, cool. This is a, this is a hard one. It, yeah, I thought it would be hard. Oh, what a night. You can, you, can, you can mention multiple guitarists, if that makes it easier. You don't have to choose one or two. A few bands oh, up there have many guitarists. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, there's just, there's just so many, there's so many musicians I admire, you know. Yeah, yeah. Love, you know, I think John Petrucci of uh, yeah. Dream Theater is an amazing guitarist. He is amazing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it all depends really on what sort of material you're going right. to play. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, Joe Bonamassa is a great player. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I've really started getting into some of his stuff. Actually. Yeah. Great. He's, in, he's insane. Yeah. I mean, that track, what's it called? India, I think it's called. Oh, great. I think I know the one. Yeah. Um, bass player wise. Well, I mean, Geddy Lee's a pretty amazing mm -hmm. bass player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, Alex is a great guitarist. Yeah. You know, he often gets overlooked. Yeah. From, from what I, well, yeah, he's amazing, but the other guys get the limelight a bit more, I think. It seems. Yeah, yeah but he's, he uses lovely textures. Yeah, beautiful. Um, oh, I don't know. It's impossible. Vocal wise, yeah. no idea. No idea. Um, that actually, the guy that just died. That I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I hadn't really heard them before, but I, I was listening to um, that guy, that guy Brian Howe, you know, that singer guy. Yeah. He, he, Died what a week ago or something. I'm just listening to a couple of bad company albums. He's on, they sound great, really. Yeah, great voice, great voice. I don't know, Brian from uh, oh god, what they bloody called Diamond Head's a great guitarist. Who was that? Sorry, Brian, oh. Brian Tatton. Oh, right, yeah, he's a great, yeah. So, I mean, oh, it's just, there's just too many. I no. couldn't, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Blair again, you know, I mean, yeah, Rick Waitman, I mean, he's brilliant. Um, there's just so many. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned a few names there, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, again, I say it depends what sort of music you want to play. Yeah. Well, mu whatever music you wanted to play, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I'd find it difficult to answer that. So that's, yeah. why, that's why I'm asking it. <laughs> it's just a difficult question. <laughs> I think about cool. it. Yeah, that's cool. That's all good. But um, well, yeah, thanks again. For, You're very welcome. I know it's just taken a, you know, it's fairly long, but... Um, no, I think yeah. it'll be a, it's a lot of interesting information there for people to take in. I, I'm not sure. Maybe you've you know mentioned some of the other things in other interviews in the past, but um, you know, for people who listen to this, some things I get asked, so I do mention. But you know, yeah. different sort of angle on it depends how it's asked. Yeah, know, so. and um, you know, I'm I'm hoping this podcast is going to appeal to like other drummers. So it's good that we talked, we nerded up a little bit about the drums. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, but glad you're well. Glad you're safe. Thank you very much. Um, really hope the kind of music industry gets back on the road soon. Um, yeah. So uh, we can all get to work. We all, yeah, we got bills. We all, you know, 
we all want to work exactly. there's a lot of you know everyone even the you know all the crew and your roadies and stuff i think they're struggling yeah. um with stuff to do so hopefully we can get back on the road as soon as possible yeah catch up at a f- festival or a gig in the future um that would be amazing but yeah thank you so much for taking the time and uh (laughs) and uh yeah we'll we'll catch up soon drum for the song podcast well i hope you enjoyed that nigel was such a top guy and i'd like to thank him again for taking the time to be interviewed and for sharing his stories with us the charity candle and t-shirt he mentioned can be found at evokecandleco.com. Find the music collaboration section. Then you will see Nigel's charity items. I won't chat for too long because that was a long interview. But if you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more, please consider supporting me at Patreon forward slash drum for the song. Any funds raised there will help me to continue making these podcasts by going towards new equipment and covering some transport costs when we're eventually allowed to travel again. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Drum for the Song or my personal pages Dane underscore drums or on Facebook if you search for Dane Campbell Drummer. Please let me know if there are any specific drummers you'd like to hear me interview by tagging them on my page. You can also help me spread the word about the podcast by sharing it on your own social media pages or with your drummer friends. Until next time, and always remember to drum for the song.